Hey everybody, welcome to the Boning Soul Podcast. Thanks for joining me again. Okay, so a uh, little bit of news here. Uh, this episode, and probably for the you know foreseeable future, I suppose, is brought to you by the PAC, the Push Archery Center of Knowledge. Now you're going to be like, gasp, hold the phone, what's going on? Well, um, <laughs> Tim Nebel uh, reached out to me from you know the push over there, and uh, he said, hey, you know, we kind of like what you're doing, both with the podcast and with YouTube content and things like that. You know, we're kind of aligned as far as uh, the you know, the way the way we kind of produce things and the way we want to um, you know promote archery and teach and have like a positive you know atmosphere around it and that kind of stuff. And he said, you know, would you be open to some sort of uh, well, he called it sponsorship. I, I to me that sounds. Um, I don't know. Uh, I, I like I like partnership, maybe you know. And I said, you know, I, absolutely. I, I would I would love to do that. And I said, you know, I, I'm not really sure what little old me can offer you guys because you know your platform is absolutely huge. Mine is like really really small in comparison. But um, he said, you know, that's fine. You know, we're trying to we're trying to promote um, people that uh, you know we think have a have a good message, and you know it can work both ways. You know we, we'd like you to try out some of these products as far as um, uh, you know the pack uh, courses, right? All the Tom Clum course, the uh, um, Joel Turner course, and that kind of stuff, and, and a few others in there. And I said, yeah, absolutely. I would I would love to do that. It's something that I always talked about wanting to do anyway, and just never you know got off my butt and did it. And um, you know he said, okay, well we'll we'll just we'll just kind of go from there. You know, like no strings attached, no nothing. But I'm I'm, I'm really happy to do it. I, you know, I love those guys. They are just uh, incredible for archery. Um, just you know, positive message overall, right? I mean, they they stay away from the you know a lot of the drama. They you know they're they're about teaching and um, you know having a uh, you know positive experience in the traditional world. I just in life in general. So not not to get too woo woo about it, but yeah, I said absolutely. You know, I said um, you know for me, <clears throat> you know I'm I'm gonna tr- try and do what I can as far as uh, you know promote you know promote this. I'm gonna actually try. I'm gonna take these courses. I'm gonna uh, give an honest opinion about them, both you know on here and on you know some YouTube content and stuff. Um, this is all still very pre- preliminary, so um, you know this this will be like kind of like an ongoing thing, right? It's not there's no like like timeline for this kind of thing. So. Um, yeah, so we we kind of decided that that would be that'd be good. I'd be I'd be good with that. And I told him flat out. I said, hey, I'm I'm really flattered um, to be considered for this because you know your guys is you know their their uh, platform is absolutely huge compared to mine. And I said, you know, I'm I'm probably going to benefit more from this than you guys are going to benefit because just from exposure, you know, because obviously anybody that listens to this podcast, I 99. guarantee also listen to the push, but I'm not so sure it's the other way around, right? I mean, the platform's huge, but I'm going to do what I can. Um, I'm really happy with, uh, I'm I'm really happy with, with this, you know, arrangement. And, um, you know, I've, I've gotten, not that like sponsors like knock down my door or anything like that, but I've gotten requests before, like one was for like a broadhead company and they're like, Hey, or actually it wasn't even the company. It was like one of those emails from people that represent, you know, certain brands and stuff. And, and I wrote back, I said, I don't think you understand. I'm not like, like if, if you want someone selling broadheads, I'm not your guy. Cause I'm not like, you know, whacking, stacking, um, you know, critters bodies up to the ceiling. So, you know, some things make sense. Some things don't make sense. You know, you got to turn down some things, but, um, this, this I'm really excited about. So anyway, it's not going to be anything egregious, like anything else. I didn't want to just kind of like slip it in there and like, Oh, Hey, by the way, I'm going to start talking about this all of a sudden. No, um, you know, I'm going to be, uh, 
I'm going to be honest with you guys and just kind of tell tell you you know how this kind of came about and um, you know going forward like I said I'm going to be trying out this stuff I'm going to give my opinions on it I'm going to uh, try and promote it and uh, you know look for more content here and content on the YouTube channel and um, yeah it's going to be awesome so anyway um, not a lot not a lot else other than again just shoot my bows all my bows constantly tuning uh, trying out different broadheads I was out uh, shooting today this morning um, trying out uh, some swamp sharks I've got some VPA three blades uh, coming I'm gonna see which ones fly better honestly I mean I, I, all these bows are shooting so good that um, you know again like 15 you know sub 15 and under right because I'm not that good a shot much past you know 20 yards anyway but um, I'm feeling really confident with it I'm confident with um, my setup I've been tuning uh, my 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 climbing setup as far as uh, climbing stick my one stick setup and stuff this morning actually I was trying out the I got a Madrox safeguard and I wanted to try that thing out and I'm gonna tell you right away like one one climb in the tree not for me um, it was too kind of herky-jerky uh, granted, I was using 8 millimeter rope, and technically it says you know 8.9 millimeter. Uh, although 8.1 millimeter is used for it, it's for, once for rescue, it's rated for rescue or rigging or rigging or rescue. I don't know the difference between those. I'm not a mountaineer, so please don't take my advice uh, if you're going to go climb a tree and you know just be safe. But you know a lot of people use 8 millimeter oplux with this stuff, and I like that rope. Um, I just wanted something simpler and easier to be able to just kind of repel down. Let's say I drop my stick or um, I, I don't know, make a little minor adjustments, you know, like I like to do while I'm hanging and, 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 and saddle hunting, uh, which this allows you to do. But uh, coming down, it was too herky-jerky. It was too grab and slip, not slip. There's no slip to it. But it wouldn't. It wasn't like a smooth release where I could like smoothly kind of tend out the line and come down. It was like uh, the, the the lever you have to pull. It's almost like it feels like it's stuck, and then you pull, 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 and then it's like whoop, it slips a little bit. And it, I just I just didn't like it. And that was on a nice nice beautiful morning this morning. I'm mean, gonna sweaty a little bit, but um, not not in like you know cold or wet or whatever hunting conditions. So um, I'm probably I'm not probably I will just turn around and sell that 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 safeguard. I know lots of you guys love that thing. And amen to you guys. Uh, just wasn't uh, something that I felt was that much of a benefit that if I'm constantly, you know, wondering like, you know, how much more pressure do I apply on this lever and then, um, you know, to, to be able to smoothly come down. So I'm probably going to stick to uh, just like I said last week, right? Was it last week I was talking about this? Maybe week four. I can't remember. Like the different types of climbing sticks and climbing stick methods and uh, things like that. Um, whether I'm going to repel or just one stick back down or what have you. So I can either one stick back down or uh, just do that munter hitch thing. And um, But I'm glad I tried the safeguard. Again, some of you guys are going to think I'm crazy. Like this is like the most one of the most sought after uh, devices. It's a belay device in the, you know, the saddle hunting world. It's super hot, you know, but just it, I'm glad I tried it because, again, just because like 90% of the world thinks it's awesome doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be awesome for you. That's just the way it goes sometimes. So test this stuff out before finding out like on your first sit okay I mean I can't stress that enough um, just everything I mean, when you're gonna climb whether it's a tree stand or uh, I, I'm kind of repeating stuff here that I did in that episode but I mean just make sure that everything hangs the way it should there's you know ropes going this way and that way just logistically plan out stuff you don't want to you don't want to do that on your on your first hunt um, that's that's for sure so anyway uh, other than that let's see shooting my bows trying that kind of stuff out and yep 
That's it, really. So today's guest uh, is uh, Drew Kohlhofer from Selway Archery. Now, I love Selway Quivers. It doesn't mean I don't like other brands of Quivers. Uh, I know I, you know, I have experience with the Great Northern as well. Fantastic Quivers, but um, I'm like a Selway guy. I just like, you know, aesthetically the way they look. I like the way they attach. Um, never, ever, ever had an issue with, with any of them. I, I just, I really love them, you know, high quality. Uh, the great people. Um, over there, I like dealing with American-made products and kind of small, run, you know, small businesses and supporting supporting businesses that support the archery community, kind of thing. And um, yeah, so that was wonderful. So, but we didn't get to talk a whole lot about about quivers. Um, if you listen to my first conversation with, with uh, Drew, maybe about a year and a half ago, you know, we dived down into some pretty like some pretty heavy topics. Um, and we get pretty opinionated. He's pretty opinionated. I'm pretty opinionated. We're almost always on the same page with a lot of stuff so um it's uh so so take take this one you know if you disagree with 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 some of our, our viewpoints or his or mine or whatever you know take it with a grain of salt it's just opinions just a couple guys talking and stuff but um we do get into some pretty pretty interesting topics for uh just like the future of hunting and to society in general so um it is explicit you know uh, i don't i don't normally like do the explicit or non-explicit label I, I just assume that it's explicit and i i don't i don't even you know so but if you're bothered by some you know f-bombs here and there, it's probably not the one to listen to although we don't go like egregiously you know overboard with it but um you know, anytime you, you get uh, Drew uh, talking, he's super passionate. I mean, like, super, this is like he 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 loves this. You know, like I said, I've never I've never actually like met him in person, but the conversations that we've had and and, and the things that, uh, that that I've heard him say on other other shows and stuff, he's like just ridiculously passionate about this 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 industry and um, this lifestyle. Industry is a bad word because that makes it sound corporate. It's a complete opposite, actually. But this lifestyle, this this uh, this niche that we're in and hunting in general and traditions and things like that and um yeah it, it really shows i really like talking to him so anyway i'm not going to ramble on a whole lot more here we're like almost 11 minutes in so without further ado um here is my interview with drew kohlhofer of selway archery um are you still there yep yeah that, oh that's better okay okay whatever that was whatever you just did sounded like all of a sudden like way clearer all of a sudden no, I, I just I set the phone down. And I, I'm like probably about a foot and a half away from it. Oh, okay. Well, we're, whatever position you're in, like, don't move for the next hour. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's uh, I think I, yeah, it, it's it's coming in pretty good. So, no, man. Um, th- thanks for coming on. So, like, like we were just kind of re catching up here a little bit. Like we talked. It says over a year ago. I can't remember when it was because it doesn't say the actual date. But um, you know, it was uh, kind of like a midday midday kind of deal and i think we were trying to solve all the world's problems and politics and all that stuff and i i don't think we've succeeded you know judging by our our conversation here for the last you know five six minutes but there's other crap to talk about because there's it we're 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 in summer and uh you were kind of egging me on a little bit but i i despise the ever-living shit out of summer and i am so ready for this this heat to be over and, I, and i'm looking forward to the countdown to uh, what's usually bow hiking season for me, but I don't care. I'll get to go out. How about you? Yeah, no, I, um, uh, I love summer. Um, because 
it's like I, your body gets to adapt to different temperatures. And so, yeah, that's why I was giving you a hard time. Like I, I'm, the guy, <laughs> I'm the guy on like the 95 degree day you see driving all those windows down. Like I, I just, I'm, I'm all about it. I, I work out in my barn, you know, when it's super hot out, um, you know, and then my barn's not insulated. So conversely in the wintertime, when I'm out here lifting, I'm usually got a puffy coat on and, um, you know, you know, if it's 15 degrees outside, you know, I just, I enjoy the seasons and that like, if I ever left Michigan or, you know, the Midwest, that would be tough to live in a place that doesn't have the seasons like we have, you know, here in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, for some reason, I don't know whether it's just my makeup or my, my just kind of body, whatever chemistry or, you know, the fact that, you know, I could stand to lose 40 pounds easily. I just like, I like, I'll spend literally like, like five minutes outside. If I go in the garage, I go back in, I'm ready for another shower. Right. I mean, I'm just a sweaty, stinky mess and it's, it's, I just feel gross. I can't breathe when it's like humid out, you know? Um, and it's just, it, it sucks the fun out of doing anything, you know, plus I'm like, a, I'm a magnet for bugs, right. For mosquitoes, you know, just anything, anything that flies. So I pretty much like stay soaked in permethrin and deep woods off, you know, as, as soon as like Turkey season, it's not even Turkey season. Cause in the mornings, it's not too bad. It's pretty cool during Turkey season. But as soon as like, you know, like may hits or something like that, I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm checked out mentally until like, you know, at least the start of, of hunting season in mid September for us. But, you know, but October is what I live for October, November. I mean, I, I just love that whole time of year, you know, like, even, even outside of, of hunting. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I went out the other day and it was just, you know, <laughs> just, just gross. You just feel gross, you know? And then I'm like, man, I'm so, but, but aside from the heat, you know, I'm, I, I'm genuinely just, just amped to go and walk through the woods again. Cause I just miss it. Oh yeah. No, I hear you on that. The, the bugs for sure are like, I'm, I'm not a big fan of mosquitoes. Like, yeah, I just, like I see those guys that go up to Alaska and they're just mobbed with mosquitoes. Like, where they're just wiping them off of them and just, just rolling off by the thousands. There's just no, like I could, I couldn't, I couldn't hack it. Like there's, I, yeah, there's no way. I remember one sit early October. Well, no, Ohio opens in late September now. So yeah, it was, it was late September opening day sit. And I just, I couldn't handle the bugs, the mosquitoes. Then this was pre thermocell and the mosquitoes were just so horrendous. And I, it made sitting in the woods just unbearable. Yeah. I, so I couldn't do the whole spring bear hunting in Alaska thing like it or, uh, you know, late summer, like caribou hunting, that is not on my radar because yeah, I, I've watched some shows just like, like you said, I've never been up there, of course, but I, you know, I've seen some shows and, and whatever videos and stuff and like, yeah, you're basically hunting in, um, you know, it looks like a beekeeper's like net, you know what I mean? You've got this yep. fate, this head net and the constant sound of like buzzing and, and, and just being dive bombed in the background and black flies. And I'm like, how is that fun? I, 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 maybe I get it. Maybe this is like, like a trip of a lifetime for somebody that they're, you know, out there, but I'm like, man, this would absolutely just, just totally like ruin it for me because I couldn't get like, I couldn't get past it. You know what I mean? Oh, I'm yeah. I feel the same. I feel the same way. And that's, you know, and you know, you touched on, you know, the, you know, the fall, you know, getting into hoodie weather. Like I, I will say that is my favorite time of the year. As much as I appreciate the seasonal changes. Yeah. Like I, I, yeah. When it comes fall, I, you know, even outside of hunting, just where you get, you know, the smell of burning leaves in the air, um, you know, you get to put a hoodie on. Like I, I really do, I really do enjoy that time of year. I'll just, you know, outside of the hunting aspect. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah, ditto. A hoodie and uh, shorts, basically, is like my <laughs> my my attire through like October, <laughs> you know, September, October into November. And that's like my favorite, you know, I'm still holding on to, uh, you know, shorts. And then you got you got just kind of a nice warm top on crisp, cold air. And it's like, yeah, I just I just I dream of that shit. But uh, it's coming, though. It's It's coming soon. And, um, I'm, I'm super, I'm super psyched for it. Like as we, as we speak, well, I stopped now because I don't want the, the noise or whatever, but I'm actually, uh, I had the torch out and I'm swapping over inserts for these, um, Eskimos I have, and I'm uh, switching over to, I'm changing out the inserts from, uh, 75 grain to 100 grain to kind of better match this, uh, you know, so, some of these, this one, this one bow over here, this, this ASL that I got, um, and it's it's kind of putting me in the mood. I'm sharpening, you know, I'm back into, you know, getting into like, it's kind of early, you know, but I, I, I got to do something. I got to do something that's like prep. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. No, I, I right now I'm in the midst of going through and figuring out what arrow I want to end up with for my mule deer hunt. Because um, I... Um, so for October, for me, I'm probably not going to do a whole lot... <laughs> I don't know. It, it'd be. I, I'm saving most of my, my 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 days away from from the wife and kids for my hunt in November. But right, like right now, I'm just I'm shooting several different arrows, and I kind of do my tuning setup a little bit backwards, where I, I get a couple different arrows and I just shoot them a whole bunch, and then I kind of just make a mental note of which arrows are flying the best, and that's what I'll that's what I'll end up with. I'll pick I'll pick whatever one I decide you know has been flying the best. And most consistent yeah and then i'll go through and i'll my I'll, I'll do like a real you know thorough tune just to dial everything in fine you know good good finalize on everything and then um you know then i'll go from there and i'll start shooting a whole bunch and i'm gonna i got etar coming up so i'm gonna like to have everything figured out by then or or close to it like i, like I found I got a couple different staffs that i'm leaning on right now or leaning towards um, and then once that, once I get that figured out, cause I kind of like, I kind of use ETAR as kind of my launching point into hunting season, like get mm-hmm. real, get, um, you know, not having it, not going the past two years has been tough, you know, cause in the past I always kind of use that as my big ramp up, you know, to, to getting, getting prepped and getting ready. Wait, when is ETAR? Um, it's the last full weekend in July. Okay. Okay. Like having never like actually being able to go to these things, I don't actually know the dates of any of these, like these rendezvous and and get togethers and stuff, which is kind of sad because I really like to go, you know, but I just work schedule wise. I mean, I can't, so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when, when you do get a chance, you really need to, because they, I'm sorry, I had to walk away for a second. Um, they're just a lot of fun. You get to hang out with all the, you know, like-minded people and you know get to meet everybody that you talked you know you may have talked to on instagram or something like they're just they're a really they're a, they're an absolute blast yeah um th- yeah that, that, yeah exactly kind of putting a face to an actual like in-person face to you know uh, a screen face is, is kind of cool so yeah i mean i don't know maybe maybe one day you know i, I keep saying that but like right now you know i i work weekends and can't really uh <laughs> can't really get away for that kind of stuff but i i, I still i live vicariously through all these um you know through online you know all, all, all these guys i know they go they go you know meet each other meet up and uh, they hear all the stories and stuff i'm like man that'd be so cool so yeah it's that's probably the best part is the you know the show you know the show itself is cool like 
you walk, you know, you get to see the vendors and all, you know, and, and hanging out in the booth and stuff. That's a lot of fun. But the best times after, you know, hanging out by the campfire and, you know, shooting shit and telling stories. That's, that's where it's all at. Yeah. As a, as a vendor, right. Are, are those like pretty like lucrative for you or is it just to, to kind of just kind of represent kind of thing you know what i mean i mean it's, is in, in this day and age i mean is, is actual in-person kind of sales and bringing like a trailer full of stuff actually you know like like a big boost in sales um yeah it's it's i would say it can be on par with like a big or say like it could be on par with like a big order from like a big distributor like uh like a, like a three rivers or, you know, it can do mm-hmm. done, you know, some shows are better than others and, you know, some years are better than others. Um, but yeah, you usually pay for your trip and then some, you know, going to that and then, it, but, but, you know, a lot of it is, is just shaking hands with people and, you know, get, you know, maybe, you know, if some guys got an issue with this, you know, his quiver or whatever, you know, I'm able to help them out in person, you know, and work mm-hmm. and dial, dial stuff in for guys, you know, doing that. And yeah, it's kind of, it's, a, it's obviously a little bit of both, but it's, yeah, the best part of it, obviously, yeah, we're there to make some money. But the best part of it there is mostly about just, you know, shaking hands and meeting everybody. You know, that's you know, that's kind of how this whole thing come about. You know, I think we had maybe talked about it before, but that's how my dad and I's affiliation with Selway even started. It was going to the shows, and that's how dad met Gordy. And they struck up a friendship just from dad going up and talking to him at the shows and hanging out. And then, you know, it just grew into and blossomed into, a you know, a really strong friendship. And they've been friends for, you know, you know, 30 years. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think we did talk about that. Yep. Just by going to the shows, you know, it's, um, you know, and like I said, meeting people and, you know, I've met some of my best buddies doing that. Like I met Logan Glassburn, you know, at Kalamazoo one year and, you know, he's one of my best, bu- best friends. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So, um, you know, Selway, right? I mean, you, you, you guys took it over and it's, it's like gangbusters now. Like, I mean, you went, I think when we talked, like you had not recently, but I mean, you definitely gone full time, right. With, with Selway and stuff. I mean, because before, um, I forgot what you were doing before, but this was, this was still kind of like your quote unquote side business, like a huge one, but yep. now it's just, it's just gone, gone wild. I mean, that's, uh, how long ago was that? Um, I think that was in early in 19 is when we okay. did that when I, you know I, I made the jump yeah yep, glad you did <laughs> yeah yeah it's i don't miss i don't miss going to the job site and hanging iron every day because i was a, i was an iron worker um before that so yeah and I, I did that from the time i was 20 till you know two years ago yeah no, I'm sorry. Yes, yeah. so I got in when I was 19, and then yeah. So yeah, I was I was 19 when I got into the iron workers, and I did that for just shy of 13 years. That's a long time, dude. That's that's rough on your body. Like anything that physical, you know, is just is just brutal. And if you have any kind of like physical job, whether you know whether it's that construction or you know just even if you're like on your feet all day long, it's tough. You see the guys that are you know have been in you know 30 you know 25 30 years. Or and then some, and they're just they're beat to hell. Yeah, yeah. They walk around, you know, hunched over back. But a lot, I mean, a lot of that is, you know, the guys who take care of themselves outside of work, um, they usually get around pretty good. And that, you know, and that's I'm finding out, you know, like 
I had some lower back issues and I'm sure it was from work, you know, carrying around 80 pounds of, you know, bolts and tools on your belt, you yeah. know, climbing on the iron does not, you know, getting in weird positions does not do anything good for your back. But i tell you what, I started, you know, lifting weights again and doing deadlifts and stuff like that. And my lower back pain is non-existent since I started. Really? Yep. I mean, I got to, I got to get off my ass and start doing some, some of that stuff. Cause I'm, I'm in perpetual pain. Neck pain, back pain, everything. Oh, I put it off for years and years and years, a lot longer than I should have. And I'm full on into it now. Like I, it's, I can't, like when I don't get a chance to do, to go, you know, and I, I'm lucky enough where I have not a full gym set up in my, in my barn, but I got, I got enough stuff to be dangerous. And if I don't, if I'm not working out, if I miss a couple of days, I get kind of grouchy. <laughs> um, really? it's, kind of, it's become part of my routine. And that's just it. Like you got to do it long enough to start to make it part of your routine. And then once it's part of your routine, it's just, it's just what you do. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm staring at, uh, I'm downstairs in my basement here in my hovel hole and I'm, I'm staring at like equipment and it just sits there and gets unused. And it's, it's no excuse except, you know, <laughs> except me. I was, yeah, I was in the same boat. I had all this stuff in my barn um for you know for years and i just it was more or less something to hang my hunting stuff on for, for you know the old cliche but yep. um yeah but yeah i just one day just decided to doing it and yeah you know it took a while to get into a good rhythm um in hunting season definitely threw kind of a wrench into that but you, you know i just you know you make it a priority and you know you just go do it and that's like you said no excuses and I, you know, yeah. I, I was making excuses left and right about it, but it's been life changing for me for sure. Now I feel, I feel amazing. Um, and I, you know, as far as like Western hunting goes, I mean, I've my capabilities now, there's some places that we just wouldn't go into because getting elk out of there would be just, a, it'd be a nightmare. But now I'd go, I, I wouldn't have any problems going and doing it. So, so you're, you said that's kind of a good segue there. Cause like you say, you, so you're going to do, um, a, a mule, a mule deer trip this year and you're going to do an elk trip as well. No, we weren't. Um, so with the, the demand for tags, you know, in the West now it's kind of, um, Oh, I don't know. It's kind of a, it's a sad deal for me personally. Um, but it's just made tags getting tougher and we were not able to, you know, th- two years, three years ago, you could go out and purchase, like we would drive out, we would stop at the sporting goods store, buy our tags and then head up to King. Well, now you got to jump on, you know, in, at least in Idaho, you got to jump on the first part of December when the tags go on sale and you may get one, you may not get one. And um, yeah, it just makes it, uh, makes it tough. Um, so this, my dad nor I got out tags or mule deer tags for where we hunt in Idaho this year. So, we were pretty much dependent on the draws, you know, for the other states that we put in. We didn't draw Arizona. Um, and, that, you know, I put in for Utah, and I got lucky enough to, you know, to draw this Utah tag. So that's that's where my eggs are. And then, you know, normally we do Kansas in November. Um, and we were not able to draw Kansas this year for the first time since 2007. Which yeah, is, uh, I'm, I'm hearing that, yeah. Um, I, I It's such a sore subject with me. And it's, you know, there's a lot of things. A lot of reasons why that's taking place you know obviously we're you know we're promoting hunting 
and we're promoting going to these other places and you know it's creating interest right mm-hmm. um but you know a couple of years ago kansas opened up and i don't want to make this a crossbow bashing thing but kansas opened up you know their archery season to crossbows and that has a lot i'm just i'll say this if they didn't have crossbows if it wasn't legal to hunt the crossbow we would still be getting tags i, I have no doubt yeah um, you just flooded, you know, it, 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 you know, you just flooded the, you know, the resource with that. And, you know, so you now it's probably going to take a point, you know, or two to guarantee that draw going into the future, which, uh, which is a bummer. You know, the, the whole situation with these draw tags in a lot of these places, um, you know, you got a limited resource that is the, you know, the tag allocations and, you know, so many guys wanting to do it now. And I, you know, I hear this, you know, the thing about the, you know, hunter numbers are declining and I'm just, maybe that's a percentage base where they're, they're basing that off of the general population, but I'm not seeing, I'm not seeing a decline in hunters. I mean, and, you know, even around here, it's more people are interested in bow hunting. And I mean, and that's kind of a good thing, right? Like, is it, um, I don't know. I'm not, I, I don't, I don't know what to think about that. Honestly. I mean, it's been busier for me as far as like, I see way more people out there. I mean, that past two years i mean no doubt so yeah it's a weird it's a weird dichotomy where it's like i mean we got to figure what we have to do and you know the old cliche we have to come together we 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 really do have to come together and make some have have some hard conversations and come out of that you know as a group whether we're rifle hunters muzzleloader um, and Corey Jacobson was just talking to my buddy, Kevin Vissison, who runs the deer hunter podcast about this. And yeah, listen to it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to kind of echo what he said on that, but like, no matter what weapon you hunt with, we kind of do have to come together and find some, find a happy medium here where we can balance quality of hunting, hunting opportunity with just hunting opportunity in general, because if, if you don't, I mean, I've, it's been said a thousand times when you look at the R3 initiative stuff, like people fall out of hunting. Why? Well, it's because access, they, an opportunity. Well, you got to have a place to hunt for sure. Right. And that's, what's killing whitetail hunting in the Midwest. And we, you know, yeah. I, I mean, that's, you know, the leasing and the whole big porn pornography thing. Like that's, that that's killing hunting, you know, and, and not to mention guys being slobs, you know, going out there on, you know, on some permission ground, and just treating a place like 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 shit mm-hmm. and you know and now that landowner is gun shy about letting other people let people hunt so you know now you can walk up to and say hey i'll give you a, i'll pay your tax bill for the year if you let me hunt so you're seeing a lot of that and guys are falling out of it for that and, and you know and in the west it's just more of a demand you know, for these tags, because there's more people interested in doing it because, you know, for whatever reason, guys just, you know, sick of maybe sitting in the whitetail woods or whatever, and they want to go do something else, which is, which is great. Yeah. But we had, like I said, like I was, you know, going back to it, you have to have, you know, a place to hunt and then you have to have the opportunity to hunt. Well, what happens when now across the board in the West, you either have to be a resident of those states, which is not realistic for a lot of people because the cost of living because of all of your transplants from these other states now the cost of living is skyrocketing in colorado wyoming montana idaho um utah so so that may not be an option for some people 
and then you're going to have to wait, you know, maybe three, two, three, four years to get a tag to go hunting. How many guys are going to play the game in, you know, in the West with the draw systems and try and come up with a system where they're drawing a tag in some other state, you know, every year. And then, you know, they got like a rotation and that that's a good option to have, but not many guys are going to invest $10,000 in application fees and, you know, license fees to not guarantee a tag to go hunting. There's not a lot of people that are going to do that. So what's going to happen is, you know, and this is hypothetically speaking, and I think this to be true is you're going to see a lot of people falling out of the game because of the, you know, I want to go elk hunting, but I'm not going to wait four years to get a tag. So you know what I'm done. So therefore, you know, and then the ancillary effects of that are, they're not going to the small communities and spending money out, you know, in these other, in these Western States, they're not joining groups like the Rocky mountain elk foundation, um, you know, or the mule deer foundation or, or, you know, any other organization that helps put more game animals on the landscape and make sure that we can preserve hunting opportunities. So, so we're going to lose in the long run if we don't figure out how to balance the demand with, you know, keep, you know, in the resource and keeping opportunity. And, you know, and the other factors that come into that are, you know, ur- you know, urban sprawl. You know, you got cities like Bozeman and Missoula and, you know, and Boulder and some of these other places like in Colorado that are just expanding rapidly and they're eating up habitat. So, so that, that's creating some issues as well. Um, but yeah, it's, it's getting, it's, we're going to get to a weird place where if we're not careful, we're going to, and we're, if we're too short sighted and we're only concerned about what we want now, we're going to, my kids are going to be screwed as far as hunting opportunity when they're, you know, when they come of age to go do that stuff. Do you think and some of that? Go ahead. No, I just going to say, so what, what does the future look like if we don't try and balance some of this stuff? And guys are just going to have to have the, you know, the hard realization is what is the, what are the things that we can limit, right? What are the things that we can limit ourselves? So we're going to have to put our egos aside and, you know, guys like us having this conversation is kind of tough because of the weapons that we choose to hunt with, right? Like, so when we start talking like, Hey, we need to start limiting, you know, some of this stuff on the landscape, guys are going to get pissed. Oh, you're just, you know, you're just a, a, an elitist or, you know, yada, yada, yada. I've heard, I've heard it all before. Um, but, but the reality is, should we be hunting mule deer in the rut with rifles, like Montana, for instance, mm-hmm. should, is that a good option? If we kill the rifle tag in the rut in Montana, how much more opportunity could we open up for bow hunting opportunity? Or, you know, like in Arizona and Utah, they hunt bull elk during the rut with rifles and muzzleloaders. Yeah. Um, those, those are the things that we need to be discussing and, and, and thinking about. And then, you know, with, with archery equipment, I mean, man, at the, at the end of the day, there's not a whole lot of things that the compound and the, the longbow have in common anymore. And maybe we do need to look at traditional seasons. I, I think instead of limiting the compound guys, let that, let that tag run its course, but let's think about how we can open up some more opportunity for primitive weapon hunts. So like the, so these are the little things that I think about of how we could 
you know, try and, and make some change where we can preserve hunting opportunity because, Hey, nobody's saying you can't go hunting. And, and, I, and the question that I would ask is how, how many guys, if you told, said, Hey, you can have this awesome, you know, area to go hunt, but guess what? You have to use a flint lock or you have to use a recurve more traditional bow, single string bow. How many guys are going to say, well, I ain't doing that. You know, I, I would venture a lot of guys would, would pick up and, and embrace the challenge and, you know, for the, you know, for the sake of getting an opportunity to go hunting. I, I, I agree, but um, I would worry that they were getting into it for the wrong reason. Just like we're having the conversation about crossbow guys, right? Um, rifle hunters. They, they're like, oh, well, we can get more time in the woods. I can get my, quote unquote, my deer early. Um, so, because you hear this argument from people who are like, well, crossbows really haven't um, impacted, you know, deer numbers or whatever. No, but it's made a transition like within those numbers, right? So, you know, yeah. you, you may have less people shooting stuff with rifles, but now all those rifle hunters are now in your archery season. And... Okay, I, I'm speaking for myself, not you. So I can, I'm, I'm gonna say, yeah, I, I have an elitist attitude about that. Coming from a guy who usually shoots most of his deer with a rifle in rifle season, because I'm, you know, I'm not that successful with a bow. But at least I know that I'm shooting in rifle season. I'm not the guy saying, you know, I'm gonna get me one of them, you know, 400 feet per second crossbows and go hunt, you know, in the third week of September in archery season, and. If I were that guy, I'd be doing it for the wrong reason. I think most of these people, and I'm I'm generalizing, so sorry if you're a crossbow guy, you know, if anybody's listening, but um, if it's 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 not it's not the type of hunter I want in that season. It's not up to me. It's 100% elitist me talking, but it's not the type of hunter that I want to share the woods with in that season. So when you when you say that, okay, well maybe if we do just like a, a traditional season only, I think you're going to have a similar effect where you're going to have guys that now. Um, just like they would move from a rifle to a crossbow, they're going to move from, say, like a compound to a traditional bow. But they're doing it just to do it. And I don't think people are going to put in the work, the years of work, to get proficient. Um, I, I don't know. I'm just speculating. I mean, would we have higher wound, wound and lost, you know, animals? Would we have more of that, you know, hunting for the wrong reason you know, mentality out there that you're sharing the woods with. I mean, that's, that's a possibility. Yeah, no, for sure. And, you know, and I can understand where you're coming from with that, but I, I kind of look at it maybe, maybe a little bit more glass half full, I guess, where I see it as an opportunity to gain, to bring somebody in. Right. Like, so I know guys personally that have, um, so there's an area in Oregon that is a traditional only mule deer unit. It's called the trout. And uh, I know Oregon and the guys over there, like Bob um, Borland and the Oregon Bowhunters Association, they're really proactive in, in this type of thing. And so they've got, I think they got a couple of things as well that are, that's going to be traditional only. But I know guys who personally who are, you know, rifle and compound guys um, that they're not necessarily pigeonholed into one weapon. And they went on that hunt and picked up a stick or they, they, they drew that tag, they picked up a big bow, put the work into it, and went and, and had success doing it. Um, and I, like I said, I see it as an opportunity to bring more people in, yeah. um, all while, you know, providing hunting opportunities. 
Um, nobody's saying you can't go hunting, but we're just saying you can't go hunting with your, uh, you know, your, your, you know, your Remington Ultra Mag and your, you know, your whatever scope, you know, you name it, Revic, you know, Gunwork scope that, you know, that's basically, you know, yeah, you got to put in the work to get that good, but it's more or less a turnkey package to a thousand yards. Mm-hmm. And well, a thousand yards is a long way, but even, you know, 30 years ago, not a lot of guys were shooting stuff at 500 yards. Yeah. Um, so, and so, and, but now I would say there's guys who are, you know, extremely proficient uh, out past, you know, five to 700 yards. And, but if you, you don't limit them you, or you, you, you let these weapons that are that proficient run their course. But you you say, okay, fine, you guys are gonna do your thing. But here's what we're gonna do over here. We're gonna say, hey, muzzle loader, no scope, no scope rifle hunts. Um, like like I said, more primitive, you know, more primitive style weapon hunts. Because you're not gonna be able to regulate, oh, you can't use a rangefinder. That's gonna be right. that's yeah. gonna be impossible to regulate, and that's gonna be impossible to police. Um so you just come up with come up with something else, you know, because guys guys are gonna bend the rules anyway. Like there's guys who are gonna go shoot stuff with a rifle on a muzzleloader hunt. There's just guys who are gonna break the rules and do that shit anyway. So you can't base everything around that. So, you, but you have to, you know, give people the benefit of the doubt that they're gonna do the right thing and provide, you know, like I said, just try and provide opportunity. But, but like, but you were saying something a little, you know, a second ago about, you know, how the numbers are just shifting. And I'm gonna tell you what, I I foresee a time, and I've mentioned this to people, and I think I'm crazy. But I foresee a time when the whitetail world gets affected by this. And what I mean by that is, yeah, we're killing just as many game animals with – we're killing just as many deer with our during archery seasons now. And the kills – you know, I hear guys say, oh, well, the overall kill hasn't changed. Right, it hasn't. But what happens – when now the social aspect comes into it and now you start limiting seasons because, Hey, guess what? We're killing enough deer in the two months of archery season. You know what? And the gun hunters start pitching. So now we just end up with a two month season hunt with whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Yep. I can see that happening. I I've made the same argument to um, a guy at the local archery shop over here. Same deal. We were talking about, this was about crossbows and, you know, his, again, not to repeat myself, but his argument was, well, it's really not, you know, it hasn't really changed the harvest. And I'm like, well, okay, but if, we're, if, if that's what we're saying, then, then why not, you know, why not just say, hey, you know, you've got three weeks a month, any weapon, that's it. You only got one month season, because if, if, if that's what's being harvested and harvest numbers are so high because all these, all these uh, different weapons are so, so efficient at killing um, and e- make it easier for the hunter to kill, then w- what's what's the point? What's the point of having different seasons? So why have any kind of differentiation at all in in terms of weapon? Yep, I, and I think I think that's a road that we could potentially be heading down. And yeah. um, I was warned about that, you know, from from my uncle. I mean, shoot, five years ago, you know, or longer than that. It's you know that. The writing was kind of on the wall a long time ago, at least, especially in a state like Ohio, where yeah, we've had crossbows forever, you know, hunting in Ohio, but nothing really changed until, I don't know, probably 10, 15 years ago that there was a really big shift. Um, 
And you started seeing guys just leaving gun season and the guys are getting to be more passionate hunters. They're spending more time, time in the woods. It's not just a, you know, a week at deer camp for opening day. Like, you know, the old, the traditions are changing a lot and that's, that's kind of the one thing that we're seeing. And yeah, I, I, once again, fine. Let, let Ohio, I use Michigan, Michigan, for instance, fine. We want to start archery season opening day, our opening day, October 1st, full-blown archery season as it is. That's fine. I'm cool with that. But give me – give the longbows and compounds – I'll even bring the compound guys in on this because um, they're, they're griping just as much as we are now, like in the state of Michigan. So give us September 1st to October 1st. Give us our own month of, of, of bow season. Um, if we're going to be, do, if, it, if it doesn't matter anymore, so let's, let's do that. Um, instead of trying to change what's already here, um, which I don't think will happen. I, I'm just thinking of what can we do, you know, just throwing shit out of the wall and see what will stick. Um, you know, what can we do moving forward to just create, create different opportunities rather than trying to, uh, you know, the same old hat arguments that never get us anywhere. Mm-hmm. I think in the end, I mean, no, I, we're we're kind of like talking around different kind of solutions or ideas or whatever. But in the end, we need harvests to go down, right? I mean, is that kind of? I I don't. Do I don't you know. agree? I, I, yeah, we need to become less efficient. Yeah. I mean, because because that's what it boils down to, right? Because I mean, if 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 that wasn't an issue, then everything else we're talking about about you know, too easy to kill and, 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 you know, weapons and that kind of stuff. It doesn't matter if there's like, you know, 15 right. deer around, you know, behind every tree, but right. all when, when, when you're, when all of those weapons and styles and whatever are going after, you know, a certain limited resource, right. Then <laughs> ideally, you know, it's like, okay, what we're really, what it boils down to the com- lowest common denominator here is uh, l- less harvests. You know, that's specifically talking, you know, Western game for sure, because here's here's the problem with the whitetail. And there's where a lot of whitetail centric guys kind of get hung up on this topic because they don't understand that when I'm talking a lot about this stuff, I'm specifically referring referring to Western game because whitetail deer are they will be here. The whitetail, the cockroach and the coyote will outlast humanity and they'll be here through the apocalypse they just they just yeah. it's just a fact man the things just they're so prolific and they're so adaptable so that are this argument really doesn't apply to whitetails a whole lot now i will say kind of maybe where you're from you know you know some of the northwood stuff there's some other issues come into play where they're you know Deer numbers are hurting i know in the up man they're they're they are getting smoked by bad winners and then the wolf situation is not helping it at all. And the deer herd yeah. in the UP is hurting bad. Um, and I'm sure northern Minnesota, northern Wisconsin is the same story. Um, that's what I that's what I hear. I'm not I'm not from up there, but yeah, that's 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 what okay. I hear. Yeah. So I mean, you know, so there's there's definitely pockets of this of these things that are we're talking about. But for the for the most part, white-tailed deer are not an issue with numbers. So that's where the game departments are going to be all about number-driven. They they want harvest, right? But so we look out west, the if the efficacy of how hunters 
the efficiency of what and what hunting and what hunters are doing now, we're just getting more efficient. And and Clay Hayes in his one um like the first video that he made, I mean, it was he made a profound statement in that. And it's like we better be careful. You know, we, we humans are problem solved. I, I couldn't just, you know, ad lib here. I don't know for sure exactly what the quote was, but it's basically humans are problem solvers. You know, when it comes to hunting, we better be careful because we might solve it type of a thing. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and the way he said it was perfect. It was poetic and it was perfectly, perfectly stated. But he's right. Like, if we aren't careful, we may solve the problem. And what happens when kill rates are getting to the point where, and now we're seeing it, and it's also, it's not just kill rates, it's also, um, how efficient we are at getting into the woods, right? Like we have all of this information and that's going to be, that's going to be impossible to combat because you just, we live in the age of information. It's, it's, that's kind of an argument that I get like, yeah, I didn't have on growing up. I didn't have go hunt. I didn't have all these research tools. Um, didn't have internet forums to go on and figure out all this stuff. Um, I, I, my dad didn't, I started to come into that in my teen years, you know, with, you know, websites like both site and, you know, and trad gang and stuff where you could go on and, you know, monster muleys and you could go do some research. But my dad, if you wanted to figure out who owned what and where he went to the County seat, got a plat book for the County and just, and, you know, and figured it out. And there, there was an element of hard, harder work that went that you could separate yourself from the pack, the harder working guys, yeah could separate themselves from the rest of the hunters. Well, now that, 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 that gap is shortened. So now you have more guys going deeper, going harder and, and, and putting more effort into it. So, so, but that's, that's a problem that we're not going to be able to solve. So what can we figure out? Right. And it's, it's our efficiency in the woods. So how can we limit our efficiency? And I I think it's, I think it's a branding thing. Sorry to cut you off, but I think part of that's a branding thing, and that's and that's that's partly because it's easy to blame like Sportsman Channel and, and Outdoor Channel, all that. But um, it seems to me like what's been pushed is the kill, right? Rather than the experience and the privilege of going out and and actually like hunting and chasing animals and figuring shit out, right? That that is what that's what I. That's what I'm in it for. Don't get me wrong. I love shooting stuff. I love meat. I love stuff in the freezer, right? But my metric for um, what makes me happy is not, uh, you know, I, I smoked them at 35 yards, you know, with my automatic range finding compound bow sight kind of thing, right? Um, oh, with you 100%. That that's gone away. You talked about like deer camp and traditions and things like that, right? Firearms, whatever. Even that, it seems like those kind of traditions were like, okay, this is kind of like a sacred time. Um, there's certain ways to do things. You kind of have to pay your deal. Like, I never grew up in a deer camp, um, uh, you know, I, was it like deer camp lifestyle kind of thing, right? I didn't, I didn't grow up with that. But, you know, from everyone who has, it's like, okay, well, at a certain age, you know, they got invited up to go with dad and then at that point they couldn't even hunt they just had to kind of sit there and hang out and then maybe the next year they were allowed to like uh you know sit with dad with you know an unloaded gun or something like that and after that maybe they might you know have like one rounded kind of thing you have to pay your dues right nowadays go to the archery shop 
plop down your 1500 bucks, 2000 bucks for a fully kitted out uh, compound. But I'm not, I'm not just picking on compounds, but it's the easiest one to, to do, you know, fully kitted out. And having never shot a bow before, you can get, you know, bait, you know, softball size groups, let's say, in about half an hour. I've seen it. I've literally seen it shooting my stick bow next to a guy that's walked in right next to me. And amen for him, right? New archer, new hunter, whatever. But he's shooting smaller groups in about a half an hour, having never picked up a bow that's taken me like five years with a stick bow to shoot, right? The learning curve is not there. So what's the incentive? Like, because if they're pushing like, hey, you can go out and get a deer rather than, hey, you can go out for years and learn a fuck ton of experience and and maybe you'll get a deer. But that's not really the the, the point. How do you push that? You're right. No, it's it's it, our our messaging and our branding sucks. And that's I hated. I may be on the outside here, but when this whole meat eater movement started and the whole local vor, Chris Rowe talks about it. Um, the whole local vor thing, like, oh yeah, go get your own game meat. Yeah, we hunt for meat. We this is that, dude. I hate that argument. I don't hunt for meat. I never have. Um, and I've been hunting my whole life. It's never been about the meat. Uh, the meat is a byproduct sometimes, whether you're successful or not. But it's so hunting is so much deeper than just a quest to go feed the fill the freezer and i hate like i said i hated that argument um still do i think it's it, it you back yourself into a corner it's real difficult to get out of at times um it's more palatable to some mm-hmm. but nobody else cares nobody cares about no there's a lot of people that that don't find it palatable about when you say oh i like to hunt oh you hunt for meat no they, they would cringe at you saying that but they don't care if their messaging is palatable to us about X, Y, and Z topic. They're shoving it down your throat. Yeah. And so I, like I said, I hated that. I hated that argument. Yeah, it generated some 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 movement and it, it got people into it for sure. But like I said, I, I'm not a fan of that because hunting is so much deeper than just going and shooting an animal for for food. Um, and and making it some poetic thing and. About oh I, you know oh it's such an emotional experience taking a life of an animal and now you know and they 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 put this pageantry around it I, I I'm not into that at all never have been um it's killing when you you know you're setting out to go kill an animal um but 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 it's more than that it's it's being in the wood and I it took a while for me to quite grasp that because I would get. I never understood why my dad would never get too beat up about not killing an elk for a lot of years until he finally did until I went out and experienced what he was doing. And then I looked back on my, all my upbringing and it's like, okay, yeah, the hunting was, was so, yeah, we had an, a goal. One of our, one of our goals was to, you know, maybe fill a tag, but the goal, other goals along the way were, you know, the experience of being with family. Um, being in these wild places and, and being in solitude away from, you know, away from the bullshit of life at times. And yeah, try, trying to sell, like, you're right, try, trying to sell that to a non-hunting, well, like, you're not going to convince the antis, but to a right. non-hunting, you know, um, ambivalent public, right, who probably has a mostly negative view of hunting, but they're not like, you know, severely like, hell no, you know, but you, that's the whole like meat eater thing, right? I mean, it's, it's a good and the bad. You, you kind of let, you, you let, you open the door yep. and anything can walk in, right? Um, the good and the bad. So you got, you got to, you got to deal with the aftermath. Um, I used to, you know, I used to be a big proponent of like, yeah, I hunt to eat, you know, I even had the, I even had the t-shirt it's in here. It's, it's in my closet somewhere. 
Um, but you're right. Over, I don't know, over the years, um, the more the more I do this, the more I struggle with, you know, again, hashtag struggle stick, right? Um, it's it's become like like so much more, right? Um, and I think people that that don't that kind of stick it out and don't don't quit over it. I think they're you know they're the ones that that, that you're gonna want. But you can't. Um, who was I think it was like Roger Raglan. I think he was on. Um, uh, what was it? It was it was on some 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 YouTube or or uh, what whatever kind of short video that he put out like last year, year before, whatever. You know. Like this is a guy that, of course, you know, got popular with uh, outdoor TV and that kind of stuff, and he's still kind of a bit of a showman. But, um, but he but he put out a video that was like, you know what, you know, when people ask me why I hunt, you know, it's not about the food. Yeah, the food's great, the meat's great, all this and that. I hunt because like I enjoy it, right? It's part of me and it's fun and you know. And it was kind of refreshing for a guy to, to say that. Now, Roger Raglan in, in, in this this day and age, no offense to him, isn't – I don't really see him everywhere. He's not like as relevant as like a Stephen Ranella, let's say, right, as far as uh, being in, being on, on, on social media and how many people like, you know, see him or expose to him or whatever. But what, what do you think would happen if a guy like Ranella or any, any one of the – like the big, you know, outdoor, let's say, in, in what, what we consider like an outdoor celebrity nowadays – if they came out and say, you know what, I hunt because I like doing it, and what everyone sees from that, what hears from that, is I like killing animals, right? right. What, what, what do you what do you think what do you think would happen? I, I don't have an opinion of it. I'm just I'm genuinely asking, like, what do you think would happen? Oh, there would be massive amount of backlash. She'd be called a sociopath, yeah. um, you know, and, and so on and so forth. You know the gig. You know what would happen. And. Yep. But but this is this is where I have a really hard time. And like we were talking about the conservative movement, you know. And let's be honest, majority of hunters are more conservative-minded people, right? Mm-hmm. Or I, I mean, it's sticking my neck out saying that, but I mean, it's probably a, a decent assumption. Um, the problem is with conservative-minded people, we always want to play defense, and we get in these positions where we're constantly trying to justify ourselves to people and that sucks. It doesn't really get you anywhere, especially when you're trying to justify yourself to people who don't give a shit about what you have to say. And they don't give a shit what you have to say about their agenda or what they're pushing. Because, they, because they don't give a shit or because they're just so completely in, like antith- antithetical to what your, what your opinion is. No, they just don't care. They, and that's the yeah. problem. Like, we have people who are trying to find middle ground with people who are unreasonable people. Yes. And and their messaging is fucking powerful. Pardon my language, but they they sell. Whatever they're do, they 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 will run us into the ground all the time because they are just better at marketing than we are. We, you know, we sit and we play defense rather than being trying to be proactive constantly instead of you know saying. You know, like, like the second amendment argument, for instance, within the hunting community kind of creates a little bit of a rift at times, especially with a lot of the new crowd. They're like, oh, well, you know, you don't need an AR-15, right? But how much money, and I've said this before, how much money has the AR-15 brought in for hunting? Probably a lot. Just through Pittman-Robertson funding. Yeah, yeah, probably a, a lot. I mean, number one rifle in America for the last 10 years, probably. <laughs> So you take that money away. Where's that? Where's that coming from? 
Where, where's it? What's going to replace that money? People just don't want to listen to the hard truths of the matter is, and the bottom line is, and the hard truth is, and I've said this before, and I, like I'll be a broken record and I'll say it to the day I die. If animals don't have value, they are not going to exist in the landscape. Yeah. You can, you can try and paint it in any rosy, you know, national geographic picture that you want. But the bottom line is if they don't have value, they don't exist. Africa is a perfect example. And I know our hunting setup here in America is not quite what Africa is, but animals in America will not exist. They don't have a value to the hunting public. Right. And that's just it because we're the only ones paying for the shit, which I want to keep it that way. I don't want any, I don't want this backpack tax. I am vehemently opposed to that because why? Because well, you, you, if you give a seat at the table to somebody, then that person has a voice in your decisions. Exactly. exactly. Yeah, screw that. Screw that. <laughs> I don't, I do not want that at all. And there's, no. I, I can't believe that people are so short-sighted. They can't see the forest through the trees on that one. Yeah. Like that's a bad, bad news bears written all over. And I, you call me a tinfoil hack guy, but it's the truth. No, no, um, it's absolutely the truth uh, because it, they're going to have a seat at the table. They're going to have a voice and right. you're not going to like what they have to say. And, and, and the wolf thing in Colorado, you can call it what it is. There are people who try and paint it in some rosy. Oh, well, we want them on the landscape. Well, they'll get there on their own. They're already there. on their own. They're already there. Yeah. Right. But, but the thing is, and call me a conspiracy theorist, but I believe that the wolf was brought in to, as an, a management tool to limit hunting. There, there is that sentiment out there. I'm not sure. I, I, I'm not sure. I'm not not on board with that, but I'm not sure I know enough about it to uh, about the about the players involved and right. and who they are and with their history. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. To have have that opinion, but I, I could see it. I mean, I you know what? In, t- in 2020, I don't nothing nothing is beyond <laughs> the realm of of because in the last two years, right? Like, I mean, nine out of ten freaking conspiracy theories have 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 come true right um i mean we see the stories and the memes and all that shit all the time so when i see stuff like nowadays and i know we were going to get political but we're kind of there when i when we when i see stuff like nowadays about like oh well you know all these uh let's say uh like all, all these food all these factories and everything like that right food production plants and factories and shit burning to the ground it's it's like Okay, is it is it something that somebody just noticed and it's become a meme and it's popular now and it's on you know all all my feeds and stuff, or do these kind of things happen all the time and this is kind of the norm? You know what I mean? But you can't go anywhere nowadays and actually find actual like like real data and real opinions without hyperbole and without uh, uh, some sort of political agenda behind them and actually trust it. I have no idea. Yeah, no, it's you're absolutely right. It's 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 impossible to trust what you what uh, you hear on both sides of the fence. Like it's yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. You you take what I don't know. You take what you what you're given, right? You fight, you, and then you have to suss out the information yourself. And that's you know based on what what you see out there. And, and, you know, it's, it, it's uh, we live in a very very strange time. But you know, like back to the wolf thing, like. The wolf in Colorado, like people don't understand, and I didn't touch on this before with the hunting opportunity thing. People have no, uh, maybe they do. I'm just not seeing it. But when those wolves get into the White Mountain 
or not the White Mountain, but the White River National Forest, which has the highest concentration of elk in the lower 48. When they get in there, they are going to wreak havoc. They're, the numbers are going to explode. The wolf numbers are going to explode because there's so there's going to be so much food on the landscape for them. Yeah, um, it's going to be bad. And then what happens when we have decreasing elk numbers? Now all of a sudden, hunting decreases, and it's like it seems like this long game. At least for me, looking at it from, and maybe this is me moving the dartboard right, like to the darts. Maybe maybe that's what it is. I'm taking this information in, and I, you know, and I'm I'm coming up with my own opinion based on what I'm seeing. Um, and I'm making a favorable decision that that validates my feelings, right? Yeah. Or val- I'm making an observation that validates what I feel. Maybe that's the case, but I see it as this long game to get rid of hunting. Who who's who would be behind that though, according to you? You know, like in your opinion, who would who would have that kind of patience? I think that the anti-hunting there's there's people within the anti-hunting crowd that are so dug in and so against our way of life that they'll do whatever it takes. I mean, look at the money that they raise. Like, and Corey Jacobson spoke about this, like we were talking about before. He touched on it, and I, all of the money that they raise goes towards fighting us. Not it goes, it goes to lawyers, yeah. It goes to lawyers to fight hunting. Hunting. Right? Just, I mean, it's a little bit more nuanced than that, but it goes to fight hunting. And not one. they're raising a ton of money. They're not putting money into the resource. So you think that these people give a shit about the animals? They, right. they say that they do, but their actions speak louder than their words. And they don't give a shit about that. What they give a shit about is stopping guys like you and I going from doing something that we enjoy. Yeah. A lot of enemies out there, dude. <laughs> oh, dude, it's crazy. A lot, a lot of enemies, and I, I get, I get so frustrated. I mean, I mean, I, I'm sure everyone feels this way, and I'm sure people. I, I don't understand them, but I'm sure people on that side feel the same way too. They, but, but they have that megaphone, right? They have the, right. um, the tech companies, the social media, the news, the whatever. Um, so they, they have that virtual megaphone where they can scream from the rooftops. And the loudest people who scream get their way. I mean, look at all these other like stupid freaking movements, you know, about people uh, offended by everything. And, you mm-hmm. know, I, I, you know, I, I identify as this, I identify with that. A man can get pregnant. I mean, who the fuck believes any of this shit? I mean, if you would actually poll, you know, like every American, you know, in this country, right. And ask them, do you believe this crap? Probably like less than what, two, one, two, three percent, maybe would actually would actually well, say that, but they get they get uh, front page news and, and and entire policies of of corporations and and and, and uh, governments and stuff get changed because of these loudmouths and the crybabies. The squeaky wheel gets the grease. They're really, really. They're not squeaky. They're like they're. It's like a you know like like a train locked up on the tracks doing like sixty miles an hour. You know what I mean? Like it's what, how do they get that loud? What's fascinating to me is the ability that they've taken that they've that they have to take a person who is vehemently opposed to that but silence them in fear of being called a racist mm-hmm. and that's what it is people people if people are opposed to it stand up have your voice be heard stop giving a shit about what people you know you know i, I got you know i'll read myself in a little bit but you got to stop worrying about offending people with your views if you don't like it speak up 
you know, and, and you know, it, like, it, it is fascinating to me. We ran into a situation this year at our school with, you know, things that shouldn't be taught to fifth graders. And I felt like I was the only parent who stepped up and said something. Yeah. And it's like, I'm looking around like, and we live in small town America. I'm like, what are you people doing? Like, these are the kids that we're talking about. Like, step up, please. Yeah. You know, felt like I was on an island. And, it, you know, and that's what it is. People are just afraid, afraid of being doxxed. Um, and that's, that's, that's what they do. They go after, they go after people who stand up against it. You're immediately able to race this piece of shit, um, misogynist, yada, 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 go on, you know, you know, whatever they do. And the, 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 these fear tactics that they use to silence everybody. And like you said, the vast majority of this country does not want what, what we have and where we're headed. But everyone's too cowardly to speak up and say something. Sure. And that's just it. They're cowards. And, and I, people may not like hearing that, but that's just it. Go look yourself in the mirror and say, ask yourself why you're allowing this to happen. Yeah, good, good point. I mean, what's that? Uh, what's that? What's that? Um, that phrase? Uh, you know, e- evil. What is it? I'm paraphrasing, but it's like evil persists when good men do nothing to stop it, or whatever it is, something like that. It's it's kind of the same vein, right? I mean, if you just kind of let it, let it happen, and don't speak up for fear of being, you know, ostracized. Well, you know, they hate you anyway. Whoever's right. going to stand, you know what, whoever's going to stand up and call you this or call you that because, you know, you offended them and, you know, they're, they're, they're going to, they're, they're just going to go cry in the mirror or whatever. They, they, they don't like you anyway. You're not going to convince them, you know, right. they're not going to become their friend. They're not, they're not going to be okay with you. So just, just, just speak up and yeah, anyway. Well, and that's it, dude. And that's just it. And, you know, you know, even on the hunting aspect of things, like, Here's the thing, whether it's hunting, whether it's it's American politics or, or just the general American way of life shifting to a weird place that nobody wants to go. What people have to understand is, and maybe this is a bad analogy, but you have two grizzly bears fighting. You think they're going to come to common ground with each other over the right to breed? I'm just using the, the right to breed as an example. Like, So we'll use the right to breed as the right to thrive in America, for instance. Well, here's mm-hmm. the deal. Somebody's got to win. There is this whole idea of this utopia where we can all get along with each other. I don't think exists in reality. Nope. I think it's, I think it's a false ideology um, where people think that you have to get a, that we, we are able to coexist and get along with each other. What we are seeing right now, and maybe some of that has to do with the propaganda being shoved on everybody's throat. Hey, this guy's your enemy over there. You know, because he feels differently about this thing than you. But, but at the end of the day, we're at a place where we're at and somebody has to win. So why, why would you why would you not fight harder to win? I guess is what I what I what I would ask that question. Like. A lot. I mean, the antis are gaining ground on us, you know, in, in hunting. I mean, they're 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 well organized, too. I've jumped on some forums and read some stuff like on Reddit and they're go- and Reddit is a cesspool of humanity. Mm-hmm. But. They're going after, like, they're literally getting the hunting license and applying for tags. They did it with the grizzly bear hunt yep. um, in, in Wyoming, in Idaho. They're going out and applying for tags to keep people from hunting. And they're getting funded by big companies to do that kind of stuff, or big organizations to do that. And, you know, and their donors. Like, you think, like, these people are ready. Like, they're, they're ready to fight. And here we are still arguing over semantics and shit. 
Yeah. Yeah, it sucks, dude. So, 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 what do you tackle first? Do you tackle the well? I think we inside to... inside the hunting community, or do you tackle the antis? Because you know what, I get I, I get just as riled up with right. <laughs> against antis as I right. do as some totally one hundred percent capable, you know, thirty year old guy claiming disability and wanting a fucking crossbow and in in archery we, season. E- they equally stop. disgust me. We have to stop, like. Yes, we need to speak out against bullshit within the hunting community. We absolutely need to, like, people like Matt Busbis, um, that dude from that, that one, like, that is, that is a piss poor representative of what hunting, of, he, of hunting. He's an absolute piece of garbage. Yeah. Right. Um, and there's other people out there like that. So, yeah, like, these meme pages, I think, are great. I think um, a lot of people get called hate, but we need people out there calling for accountability for people being shit bags. Yeah. Uh, that's a good thing. Right. Um, internally, internally, internally. Yeah. 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 But we all need to understand at some point, like, listen, we may not like the way this guy does shit, but at the end of the day, we do have to kind of put our differences aside a little bit and fight a common enemy and the common enemy. It's it, people talk about wanting to win over the non hunter. And, and I understand that, but you go after the antis. This is this is just me. This, this is my two cents. Is you go after the antis by combating their messaging, and you just got to be better at, at you got to be better at messaging. It's a very tall task for sure because they have Hollywood. Now, you know, you turn on any show about hunters or movie or any anything with a hunting reference in it. It's all some slack-jawed hillbilly, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, drunk goobers shooting shit not, out of a truck. Yeah, Jim Shockey, you know, like, that dude is the man. Like, that, yeah. I can't think of a better representative for hunting than, you know, than Jim Shockey. And he's done a phenomenal job, and he's won some people over. It's not Joe Rogan's of the world. I, I know nothing against that, but, like, mm-hmm. Jim Shockey is a, is a guy who is very well-spoken. He's very well-educated. He's very well-read. Like, that is he he presents himself in a in a very good way and a lot of the a lot of the guys who would get labeled as elitist hunters the rich guys of the world are that type of a guy you know your jack frost your you know your guys the big sheep hunters right yeah like those guys are the guys who are paying the big money and going on these big high dollar hunts there's a lot of hate going on towards that crowd but those dudes are really good representatives of hunting um, at least in my in 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 my experience, um, so yeah, we we're going up against poor message, you know, a, a very well organized machine that has Hollywood and the media on its side when it comes to portraying hunters. So yeah, we're up, we we our backs are against the wall when it comes to that, but we got to do a better job of going after it. Um, and maybe maybe. We are making some gains with some of this stuff. Um, you know, like the Howl for Wildlife is a great organization. They're doing some amazing things mm-hmm. at generating guys getting fired up and taking the fight, you know, to the courts and stuff. Um, you know, I, I see it trending in a good direction. But, man, it's kind of hard not to be a little bit of a, a pessimist, if you will, um, when it comes to this type of stuff. Because... Man, for all the gains that we make, it seems like our losses are hard. 
They are. And it seems like it takes, just like with anything else, right? It takes money. There's nobody on our side that has that kind of money that will right. dump in the kind of money that, um, like, you know, PETA or, or U- what is it, uh, U.S., uh, uh, what, what's what's the um, what's the, the wild, big organ? World Wildlife Federation. Yeah, them. Um, what's the God? Not the U.S. USDA. The, yeah, the Humane Society. Yeah, 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 yeah. Humane, Humane Society USA. Right. And by the way, cl- clever branding, right? Because the let's use the again to use a sorry a Renella uh, quote, but like the New Jersey cat lady, right? She right. has no idea that the Humane Society down the road, who takes care of dogs and cats and stray animals, is different than HSUS, which is Humane Society of the United States. The Humane Society down the road is, you know, an animal shelter. HSUS is what, a $400 million a year um, uh, uh, smear, smear campaign, basically? Um, I, th- I, th- I think the numbers are like three or four hundred million dollars a year that they raise for um, for their causes. And it all goes into litigation, um, you know, shutting down hunting, shutting down seasons, shutting, you know, listing animals that shouldn't be listed. Um, and, and people don't know the difference. So when they get a call from these people or when they get, you know, a brochure or something like that, oh, Humane Society. OK, I'm going to donate. And it's right. 10 bucks here, 20 bucks there, whatever. And these people don't know the difference. Right. No. And they also don't understand the fact of how many animals are being killed by the Humane Society. Yeah. As far with, with the euthanization programs that they have, like mm-hmm. people talk about that. And that's and that's the, we also live in one of the other big problems I think that we're facing is we are. A, oh, man. <laughs> we're trying to preach to a population. That's kind of intellectually lazy for the mm-hmm. last i, I want to say dumb but i'll just use intellectually lazy <laughs> they don't care about no. they care about what makes them feel good um we get we get our news in 15 minute like tiktok right. blur, blurbs right, right. Uh, anything right. after that because it didn't it didn't used to be, i mean it's 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 down to that now because it didn't it didn't used, used to be like that short it went from like actual news that it went to like a quick little news segment on tv and then of course it moved into social media and then it went into you know like a quick video now 15 seconds is your attention span or you make up your entire mind about something based on a meme that pops up on your on your feed that's it. That's all well, the thought you put into it. It's. Just, I mean, it's for instance. You know, look at that bill that was introduced. Um, that's gonna, that wants to. Everybody said, "Oh, they're attacking Pittman Robertson." That was the big headlines. But then, and we're guilty of it as well in the hunting community. Mm-hmm. It's of being slightly dishonest about stuff. Granted, I am on board a hundred percent. Like, yeah, it's a shitty, shitty deal. Like, we shouldn't be doing it. like. But if you went in and you read it. The headlines were nothing like what the bill actually states. Granted, like I, I made a, uh, I made a post about it. A byproduct yeah. of the bill, yes, is going to defund and take or take a ton of funding away from Pittman Robertson. But that's not what the bill. It's not saying the, the dude didn't come out and say, "Hey, we want to get rid of Pittman Robertson Act right now." No, it got it's swept just, up and uh, yeah. Right. But, and I didn't know that until you you did your uh, little little story there, because because yeah, I mean I did I did the exact same thing that other people did. I reposted it, 
you know, howl.org or, or you know, howl for wild or whatever it is. And um, yeah, you know, we got to stop this. Right. And then I listened to your thing. I'm like, oh, OK. I I I reacted very, very quickly because uh, I'm assuming that all these people who I follow who are on, quote unquote, my team must know what they're talking about. So I'm just going to go ahead and do it, too, which is what I did. Wait, wait, and listen, as we should, we should fight it. But what I'm saying, I'm just using it as an example of just slightly dishonest marketing. And mm -hmm. listen, if it helps us win, I'm okay with it. I don't really care that much because the other side does the same damn shit. Yeah. They're dishonest marketing. So let's, what do we got to do? What do we got to do to win? Like at this point in time, like it's that ethics have kind of gone out the window, right? Like when it comes to this type of thing, like oh, there's more. no yeah. gentlemanly debate anymore. It's like, mm. all right, it's cutthroat. So listen, I get it, but I just wanted to point out the fact that we, uh, that, that uh, it's a perfect example of people not taking the time to actually read and understand what it was and what it was, was they want to get rid of taxes on inalienable rights, which I mean, think about it. Like, a As a libertarian, on, you should be like, yes, I like that. <laughs> right, take a take, right, exactly. Take a tax on, uh, you know, a free speech, right? Like, it's the same concept. Um, like, but, but at the same time, like, we as outdoorsmen, not me personally, but our, our, the dudes who paved the way, the men and women who paved the way for us to have what we have today, they said, hey, we want that tax. Mm -hmm. It's like, it, it, you know, it's, it's just a different thing, but it's like, I just, you know, to get back to the messaging thing, like, you know, what you're talking about, people just, they don't care about the truth. They don't care about, you know, you know, they don't care that the humane society just is a number one killer of animals in like the country. Like they don't care about that shit. Um, so, so how do you combat that? It's a very tough, it's a tough conversation to have because there is, I don't know the solutions. I just say fight dirty too. That's kind of where I'm at with it. Like, let's stop trying to play play nice with people who don't give a shit about the rules. Yes, I I, I agree with you. I agree with you. I think that takes money. Uh, I, like I said before, I don't know where the money's going to come from. Um, you know, my in the non-hunting world, you know, and on the broader scale here, like my 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 hope is I, I'm I'm you know I, I'm sure you're you're a guy who's read Atlas Shrugged, right? So you know, like. The, the term John Galt, right? Um, yep. So my idea of a modern day John Galt <laughs> would be Elon Musk. Um, not not exactly a one for one kind of comparison, but he's the only one who has like a crap ton of money and doesn't care what the left uh, thinks or says, and is actually actively going out and even poking the bear with them because he doesn't care. Um, but we need a, we need more of that in general in, in society. So fantastic for that. But B, I, I don't, I don't know, you know, I, I don't see him as, as like a hunter or, or any interest in hunting, or I, I don't see him as an anti or anything. I just, I just don't see him putting him or anybody else with that kind of money, um, taking up the torch and taking the fight. Um, which is just, it, it, all of the, all of this takes money, you know, I mean, the the left has the money because they have the they have the media and you know money money buys airtime or money buys screen time whatever you want to call it and there's there's really nobody on our side to to do that so what you, I mean it's got to be grassroots does it have you know and then you do grassroots and then and of course you get shadow banned or you get outright banned or blocked or whatever 
So, I mean, what the hell do you do? Well, I think the Howl for Wildlife thing, I I had just seen where they had kind of opened up, like, where you can kind of have, like, a profile on. They're doing – I think those – I think they are one of the very few people or few groups that are actually going to start moving the needle on some stuff because – what they're the way that they're doing things is is really good like yeah i would say that's where we need to throw our eggs into right now um is getting that organization off and running and getting the awareness out and and getting involved with them you know even if it's just monetarily and just sharing stuff Mm -hmm. um, so they can go fight fight the good fight that they're doing because they are doing really good job and they're like i said they are one of the few groups that they're actually moving the needle the other group is um sportsman alliance They've, they've done a fine job of um, raising awareness and stuff. And yeah, you know, at the end of the day, man, we're not going to see eye to eye on a lot of stuff or uh, on everything with these guys. Um, as long for me personally, as long as the, the group has a strong stance for protecting the second amendment um, and, and the right to own the monopoly on violence against the feds, like I'm good. Like as long as they're, they're on board with that, like they got yeah. my because uh, because it's because it's not going to be backcountry hunters and anglers <laughs> it ain't no, bha <laughs> that's, that's, what, that's why i said that um but it's uh yeah it, it, like i say but you're not going to agree on everything but yeah if that's 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 my line that's my own personal line that i've drawn on the sand yeah like if that's your take then i i can't if you're against that i i can't get on board with you um, yeah right so uh, real quick though going back to so does it um the organization is it howell or howl for wildlife because when they came out with that, wasn't yes. there an anti anti hunting group that's like howl for wildlife or something? Um, it was very very like similar to an anti hunting group, and I right. don't know why they chose the name they chose. Yeah, I don't. I, I think well, I think I think if you listen to that Farocast episode that Aaron did with them guys, yeah. um, the concept behind the howl is like you know, like let's rally the troops. We got to howl mm-hmm. put the pack together. Which is good, you know. It's good. It's a good deal. But yeah, no, I think yeah, it's just howl.org, I believe, is, is actually yeah, howl.org, and I think Howl for Wildlife is an anti-hunting group. Yeah, very well. Yeah, it's very well maybe. Yeah, so you're gonna get some confusion there. I, I would have chosen a different name. I'm sorry. I, I support them. Don't get me wrong. Um, and but, I and I have you know signed their petitions and things like that. But yeah. I, I probably would have chosen a different name. <laughs> yeah, no, I I agree with you on that, but um. But yeah, I'd say they're one of the few groups that are moving the needle um, as far as uh, getting that going. Yeah, it's just uh, we got to stay proactive. We got to keep our foot on the gas pedal. And like I said, we, we got to stop members of society that are tired of the bullshit have to stop being silent in fear of reprisal. It's time to speak up because when one guy speaks up, you give the courage to somebody else to speak up. And yeah. that's a snowball effect. And when that happens, you can really create some good change. Um, but what we're doing right now is we're just sitting around, and I'm guilty of it myself, sitting around just bitching. Yeah. Not doing the damn thing. Um, but you got to get, like, you know, you got to get involved. In and like I said, by speaking up, you're giving other, others the courage to speak up as well. So I, I would always implore people to remember that. Um, your, your voice is more powerful than you think. Yeah, you tend to embolden, embolden people. You know, you know, I, I've never been one to be shy of voicing my opinion on stuff. <laughs> it gets me in the house. That's why I love talking to you. We, we always have these great conversations. I love it. 
Yep. It, you know, I get myself into hot water at times, but, um, I, uh, you know, I just, uh, I, I, I firm believer that if I speak up, maybe it'll give somebody else the courage to speak up as well. You know, it must be a quiver company thing because I have the same kind of conversations with Mark Harrison and he's not afraid to open his mouth, No, <laughs> you know, so, but you know, same deal. I mean, he's, he's stopped giving a fuck a long time ago, I think. And, uh, or, I mean, he still shows some restraint, but he, you know, he, he fights back too, you know, on, on his, on his, at least on, you know, on his scale, you know, on, on this channel and YouTube and this, that, and the other. And he doesn't let these, these people get away with the bullshit that they, uh, that they spew out there, you know, and I think more, you're right. More, more people need to do that. Um, but, but I think for people that think that way, but run businesses, it's gotta be hard. I mean, you, you run a business, right there. You're, you could potentially face some backlash and, and, and lose money, you know, um, other businesses that are not, let's say, uh, necessarily even in the hunting industry, but like they may support, uh, you know, freedoms, let's say just general freedoms or this, that, and the other, they keep their mouth shut, you know, because the b- bottom line, they lose out on, 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 on the dollars. And right. I, I, I don't I know how you get over that. Well, I think the, the, what we have is a lack of, a lack of people that have principles. And I mean, for the lack of a better term, a lack of honor. You stand up for what you believe in at the end of the yeah. day and people will follow you. And that's, I've like I said, I've never been one to shy away because I'm not going to censor myself because when you censor yourself, you allow somebody else to, to, to beat you. Um, yeah. And I just, I'll be honest. I, I've, you know, in, 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 there's been times where, my buddies and I together, but Hey man, you probably shouldn't have said that or, you know, something like that. But I'll be honest, I've not seen any backlash. Um, and if anything, it's the exact opposite. I think people are refreshed to hear somebody speaking what they're thinking. Yeah. And in our space, I, I don't think there's, a, I think that there's no shortage of people who feel the same way that we do. Um, I, I talk to him all the time. I, I know. Yeah. Um, yeah. And if you are offended by what I have to say, speak up. We'll have a conversation. If, if, if by me voicing my opinion and using my right to free speech offends you, then don't buy my stuff. That's I like it. I think I think that's a good place to end tonight, man. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're an hour and 20 into this, you know, I'm like, I, you know, we're just kind of, we're not beating a dead horse, but, uh, you know, we, I, 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 we talked about some pretty, pretty good stuff. And, um, I don't know if we have any solutions. Like we never come up with real solutions, but I, I, I like, I like, I like the banter. I like the, uh, I like, I, I like the, the, the rabbit trails that we go down. You know what I mean? For mm-hmm. kind of kind of thinking of things that like like you bring up some stuff that I don't normally think about. You know what I mean? So yeah, no, it's it's I always uh, you know, and I always try to like conversations are everything. If we can't sit down and talk, how do you ever figure anything out? I mean, it's just like like the Buddha Crockett Club was started with a conversation. Like I mean, look at all the wonderful things that that organization has done for wildlife management. I mean, it's just I used to use that as an example, but it's like conversations are what breeds good ideas 
And um, yeah, I, I think it, these conversations can get redundant at times um, because the solutions are hard. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, you just, you got to talk about stuff. And I think that we just live in a world that's too afraid to, uh, to talk about things that make people uncomfortable. Agreed. And when we do talk, it's on some sort of electronic social medium where you have anonymity. Um, you don't get any kind of like nuance discussion. You don't, um, you can just kind of scream, scream your opinion and, and run away. Well, and yep. you, you know what I mean? And, and um, yeah. And that's kind of where I, I've developed the, the whole thought process of, well, let's, let's stop trying to play nice. Let's stop yeah. trying to expect the same kindness that we are trying to extend to somebody else in, in understanding Stop doing that because it's not working. Sometimes you got to get dirty. And some, like I said, like I said before, somebody's got to win at the end of the day. That's just nature. Um, yeah. The utopia of complete coexistence doesn't exist. Maybe in the metaverse it does, <laughs> not, in, not in the real world. In the real world, it's, it, we, it, you know, it's, uh, yeah, it just is, it is what it is. And that's the hard reality that a lot of people have to accept that somebody has to win. Do you want yeah. it to be you and your family or are you worried about what somebody thinks about you? I guess that's, that's kind of my take on it. I love it. All right, everybody get out there and fight, <laughs> fight. Yeah. Don't, don't be silenced. Fight, speak up, speak up. And but hunting season's almost, I mean, it's, it, it, it's coming up real quick. I'm my buddy. I got buddies in California that are already hunting blacktails. Um, well, that's right. Yep. Yeah. Black, so hunting season's here for some of us. And, uh, yeah, you get out there, shoot your bow, get your stuff dialed in, go to go to the woods with confidence this year, and shoot straight, and you know, and, uh, let let us know at Selway how you do, and uh, you have to stuff. Uh, I'm getting excited. I, you know, like I said, that my mule deer tag is here, and or, I got it, and I, it's like it's really all I could think about getting my gear prepped and going through, and, and you know, I'm gonna have to get food ordered, and you know, and uh. All, yeah, all, all, all that cool stuff. Yeah, I mean, because it's like what July 11 when we're talking here. Actually, your your episode with uh, um, you know Schaefer and Chris there came out today. I didn't listen to it on purpose because I'm like because because I didn't want it to taint this conversation. I'm gonna listen to it in the morning, right? But um, I purposely was like, all right, I'm not gonna listen to them because I want this to be fresh over here. But um, yeah, well, I mean, by the time this comes out, it'll be a few weeks from now, and it'll be uh, damn near August, right? And this will be even like more relevant. And uh, as far as you know, getting ready, getting prepped, all that kind of stuff. So I'm pumped. I'm pumped. You know, positive attitude. I'm just gonna, you know, <laughs> all you can do. You know, to sum it up, I guess all you can do is like every day, uh, just just don't let the BS get to you. Speak up when you can, and then just just live your life. Because I think a lot of people, when they when they see someone happy and doing things, um, on the outside they might like bitch and scream about it, but then on the inside they're like, maybe I might want to emulate that because that person's actually like happy in their life and I'm miserable. You know, maybe they're doing something I'm not. So maybe that'll rub off. Hundred percent, and that's kind of why I, like you said before, I've distanced myself a little bit from the from the theater um, that is American politics because it's it can be a drain, man. And yeah. life's too short to not be happy. Like, yeah, pay attention and be vigilant, um, and fight when you need to fight, but don't sacrifice your happiness for it either. Yeah, amen to that, brother. All, All right, right, man. Um, thanks for coming on, uh, everybody. Uh, 
obviously go check out Drew. Go check out Soway Archery. Uh, SoayArcheryProducts.com, right? Yeah, dot com. And yep. uh, I actually put out a video today of uh, why I love Soway Quivers. And awesome. uh, yeah, it's yeah, I, I I like it. You know, there's there's other great quivers, but I I you know I I just like the aesthetics of of, of what you guys put out, and I have I have them on all my bows right now. So um yeah good stuff out there great different models we didn't even get into all that kind of stuff but uh i mean everybody kind of knows what, what what you have and um yeah super super good stuff so I'm, I'm i'm glad we got to do this and uh yeah uh we'll just we'll just keep trying to work on the world's problems dude right on man well i appreciate you having me on thanks a lot all right man appreciate it yep bye-bye bye